BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, I'm George Chen, and you're listening to Subdoc, a show where we dive into the world of documentary film. Today, I'm talking to comedian Jessica Seeley about Fantastic Fungi, directed by Louis Schwartzberg. <laughs> we looked at all the forms of fungi, the roles they play in recycling matter, communicating with the trees, and even their role in human evolution. You will never look at mold the same way again. And our guest is Jessica Seeley, a Los Angeles comedian whose material covers sexuality, substance abuse, and the end times. She's performed on Viceland's Flophouse at the San Francisco Punchline, runs the stand-up shows Cult Comedy and Giant Robot Comedy Night. That's a good one. And has her own climate change podcast, Hot Topic. Jessica, thank you for coming on SubDoc. Thanks for having me, George. That description of my comedy is from like, I wrote it like year one and I haven't I, changed it. I, 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 I also had like some, I also have a bad comedy bio that I need to update badly, but also um, I think oh, every- I didn't say mine was bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, mine, it, mine, it definitely is. But um, no, it yeah. needs updating for sure. I, I mean, what's some other stuff that's been going on? I mean, uh, what, what, what would you add to this list of credits? Well, that's the thing is that's why I haven't really edited it because nothing else has fucking happened. It's so sad. Viceland's gone off the air. I know. <laughs> so many SF Comics first credit, Viceland, off the air. It's my first and last credit. Aww. But you, you know, I know you like work on like films and sketches and we were extras in a movie together. That's true. In a short film that uh, Emily and my Mills made. That no, was I'm fun. always doing things, but nothing that's um, particularly recognized by any kind of industry. Yeah. Um, which I guess I'm okay with, especially since society might fall apart soon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that end times part is applicable all the time to everything. (laughs) I feel like as long as I've known you, we start, I mean, you started before me, but we were like, kind of like came up in the same open mic SF scene. And it's like, yeah, I feel like we both are like gravitate towards doom. That's kind of like, I think the commonality we have. Um, Do you think that your like attitude about doomsday stuff has changed at all? Or like your perception of it, especially as it's like actually starting to happen now. (laughs) You know, this is this is a good overlap into like, you know, I know you have your podcast about climate change. And it's like I was, you know, like I think like it's because it's like you're a comedian and you're talking about a very heavy subject. And it's like, how do you, you know. I, I, I think like you kind of like go through the darkness as opposed to like avoiding it like some people do. Um, I think for me, geez, I, I'm I feel like it's just weird. I'm in a weird bubble where like things in my personal life are generally pretty good. But then I'm just like every time I wake up and doom scroll, like, you know, just seeing all the awful things that are happening in the world. 
And I'm just like, oh, I guess I can put my phone down and just do a breathing exercise and have a salad. You know, like there's I, I, I but I'm like, yeah, definitely in like about 20, 30 years, uh, the end of my life is going to be pretty gruesome. Maybe. I mean, if we get if we get that far, <laughs> that's that's how uh, yeah. it's feeling. I mean, I'm I've I grew up with all the post-apocalyptic cinema that you know anyone of my generation grew up on and like that's just kind of eventually i'm i'm like just thinking we're you know we're gonna have the the water world's world or the mad max worlds or the or the road or something yeah la LA is gonna be pretty mad maxi i think i i was just thinking that no one should live here i mean just like i left and and i'm gonna stay you're gonna stay i'm gonna write it out because here's my thinking if other people want to move to a place where there's water, mm-hmm. everyone's going to be fucking fighting over the water. <laughs> and I'm going to just live down here and get my moisture from dog food or whatever like Mad Max does. Uh-huh. And I'm going to have it to myself. You know, it's just going to be like, yeah, I don't know. As opposed to, or like I'm just picturing like all the 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 upstream water in the Colorado River, there is like massive uh, fighting over it and then it just gets polluted with bodies and that yeah, just comes downstream. Yeah, my thing is I don't want to have to fight everyone. So I'll stay in the region. I'll do, I'll live in a burning, mm-hmm. you know, like dry whatever area. And I, also like, have you seen Downsizing, the movie? Yeah, oh, down, with uh, Matt Damon and uh, yeah, 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 I've seen that one. It's like he has this opportunity to go into like, a vault where um, people will is the only place where people will survive and they'll, mm-hmm. they'll like procreate and carry on humanity. Right. And his girlfriend is like, you're fucking stupid. Like you're going to go down in this fucking vault with all these people like just like and her whole thing is like, just stay in your community and help people. Like, don't just be thinking about like mm, the survival of man. <laughs> like, it's like, oh wait, you mean like after they've shrunk, right? There's another layer below. Like, there's like the one layer which is yeah. like them shrinking, and then the other layer of the people that are trying to build the uh, future utopia. And right, like in Norway, you know. Same. There is some of the same jokes from Ant Man in Downsizing, which I love. I feel like those are the same <laughs> cinematic universe. Um, yeah, our, you know, famous documentary Downsizing. Definitely check it out. Uh, one of the most fun documentaries. <laughs> yeah, it's about people who um, shrink themselves. And and as a way <laughs> to like preserve resources, which is like oddly the same kind of plot concept as the Infinity War. I'm just going to keep bringing things back to Marvel Comics because Brie Larson also is the narrator of Fantastic Fungi. I didn't realize at the time she's like the voice of the spores. Um, so Wait, there's free Larson. She's a uh, captain Marvel in the oh, Marvel that's right. movies. So I, I like the idea that this she's is an the extension of the MCU. She's the narrator Fantastic Fungi? Yeah, yeah. That's, I, I oh. didn't remember that until I was looking at the IMDb for this movie. Um, this movie came out actually in 2019, so I think a lot of people had already seen it. I think oh. it just hit my radar because well, it's makes- on Netflix, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense because I was like, when they get to the diseases part, I was like, why aren't they talking about COVID? Because they <laughs> yeah. bring up like pandemics. Yeah, they do. I think there was a little little bit of prescient stuff, yeah, that, that was 
in 2019. I guess we should have probably been thinking about it in 2019. That would have been helpful. Uh, yeah, yeah. A little bit of foresight there. Did you watch this? Did you, you watched this before. I asked you if you'd seen this. I didn't know if you liked it or not. That's one thing we didn't discuss. Is whether yeah, or not you, you were like, this movie. so this is an episode <laughs> where this is George's choice. Yeah. He said, did you see it? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and then I um, am here. I did like it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not obsessed with it. I think it's cool. Mm-hmm. I, I think my biggest critique of it, not to start with the critique, because there's a lot of really cool things about it, but mm-hmm. it mostly kind of covered white people discovering fun, fungi. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it was like so awkward because there's this one scene where it's like, well, they did talk about Mayans, but like they mm-hmm. didn't have any real Mayans like talking in the film or like talk about any specific Mayan people who are doing work today mm-hmm. and like... Um, it was like one of the white guy scientists goes on a Mayan journey and, uh, with shrooms and then, and then it's about all the white guys that discover it after that (laughs) and all the science that came out after that. And it's like, we just kind of brushed under the rug that he like experienced this like, um, like tribal medicine that like they know a lot about, Mm -hmm. but it's just like. It's just like it's not real till white people decide it is is kind of what this movie is. There is a lot of that in this movie. I would agree with that, especially they they make a point of being like every culture has some experience with these these uh, qualities of these these plants and uh, fungi. And then we're going to mostly talk to Michael Pollan and some other university accredited people. Right. And also like. The, 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 and Paul. I don't, yeah, Paul, <laughs> who, I don't know, the Indiana Jones of mushrooms, the Jonathan Gold of mushrooms, <laughs> like so many different things. He's like, he's the Willy Wonka, I think is actually <laughs> the most accurate description. <laughs> like he's definitely, uh, you know, he's definitely like eaten a lot of mushrooms, <laughs> grows a lot of mushrooms, has a factory, has workers. Uh, I'm sure like uh, a, a bunch of little kids running through that mushroom factory, one of them might turn into a giant blueberry. It's possible if you actually go to uh, the fantastic, fu- the, I forgot the name of his company in Olympia, Washington also. Perfect. Of course. So perfect. <laughs> Everything about this. Um, yeah. Yeah. Paul- the Northwest I- has some some of that vibe, uh, his vibe really intensely. Yeah. That I, I miss got, it. <laughs> I honestly, it really annoyed me when I lived in the Northwest and I uh-huh. now looking back, like watching this documentary, I'm like, Oh, these people are really beautiful. Like they really appreciate nature and they want to protect mm-hmm. it. But when I lived in the Northwest and I was like around people like that, like in the co-op or REI or whatever, I just, I think that like living with that little bit, that little light Mm-hmm. like makes you kind of zoned out in a way. Mm-hmm. And I would always kind of feel like they were like looking at me in like a weird kind of zombie way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like there's something very sleepy about it. And I think I'm okay with it now that I understand it. But like when I was younger, I was like, what's wrong with you? Why are you looking at me? And I would also like project because I was like, you think I'm fucking weird. And it's like, maybe they do, but they're fucking weird. Like, so. so it's like really, okay. So like you went to school like at the border pretty much of Canada. Yeah, Bellingham. And like, I, I've been up to like Anacortes, but in the summer and I had the opposite thing of like the day being so long 
like I don't think the sun goes down to like 1030 in the summer. And then like, so like I had a really opposite, like too much sun experience, mm. but I was indoors most of the time. So yeah, I guess like during the school year, it's probably all like gloom and doom a lot of the time. Sometimes even through the summer in Bellingham. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It'll be cloudy. It's cloudy today here in LA, which I love. I like, I, this is my favorite weather here. Oh yeah. my gosh, I, I love, and this is honestly, when I think about LA, I think about this weather, like June, cool, rainy, like, which is weird because it's mostly not like this, but the, a lot of my memories as a child are like oh. it being like this. Yeah, this is like, to me, well, no one, for a podcast, it's like kind of like overcast Bay Area weather, which is why I like it. I'm not going to go outside and I'm gonna developing so many weird like skin things just from being outside. Like I have these weird like teardrop tattoos around my eye now that are just like sun. Anyway, this is great. I do too. I've got all kinds of really weird things. I I didn't realize how little I was outside in the Bay area or there was like just too much over overcastness. And I also just like genetically, I really feel like I probably shouldn't be here. Like in, in this part of the world. Yeah. Like I should live in Bellingham. That's what I should like. That's what I'm for. I I also like am terrified of the Northwest after uh, have you read that article that I think was in the New Yorker like maybe four or five years ago about how it's a giant earthquake zone or there's going to be a huge tsunami that's going to basically wipe out all of the Pacific Northwest. Oh, my God. That's terrible. It's 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 very scary. It's very frightening. But it also in a weird way relates to what we're talking about here with like there with, you know, how there was sort of like folklore or like knowledge about the past that was handed down orally that it was not like in the white man's science world. Like that's some of the record about the, the tsunamis in the Northwest are through like native oral tradition. Like they were able to like time that to like, there was a massive tsunami in Japan and on, and on, in the, the Pacific Northwest, and they figured out that they were like connected by a fault in the middle of the ocean, and it's just like they they had the time records from the Japanese calendar, and then they kind of timed it out, and it worked out with the the Native American legends from the Pacific Northwest. So it was like it was like oh yeah, there was some it was that was a crazy fault that Dang. spread across both of those. So. Do you like nature documentaries? I feel like you are very into you. You follow nature. Uh, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, and I think you mentioned David Attenborough. I I love those things, but I find them like hard. To, we haven't really talked about them on this show that much. Because like, yeah, like what you were saying earlier is like this is such a crazy visual film. Um, what I learned about Louis Schwartzberg, the filmmaker. Uh, is that actually he um, also, yeah, so he specializes in this sort of time-lapse stuff. And there's so much cool time-lapse photography in this. You just see like little bits of mold growing into mushrooms and then collapsing and stuff. It's, I it's started really cool. getting a little bit grossed out at like <laughs> the mushrooms 
getting turned on. <laughs> it was the, just like at some ever. point it was like so many penises. It was like a hundred penises becoming erect at the same time. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, like and like they are literally the sex organ of the mold, which is what I did not realize before. Like that is literally what they are, and they they sporulate all the time. Um, like the slow motion spores coming out of the. The dick holes of the mushrooms. Sexy body. <laughs> yeah, they are literally the sex organs of of the molt. But um, yeah. Did it, you hear when that one guy at the end was like sporgasm? I forgot about that till just now. I think I I need a soundboard. There should have been a yeah. soundboard for this documentary for like. Just I could just hit sporgasm like we're a morning sporgasm. DJ show. Yeah, there there is like but like yeah the visuals also hell of crazy CGI in this. I, I'm like amazed by some of the CGI, but also kind of like, well, some of this, <sighs> some of it was bad. <laughs> I mean, I, that's the thing I was unclear on. Cause it's like, these are smart people. They knew that it was going to come off a little campy. I think. So yeah. But. What you're referring to is the, <laughs> <laughs> the, the early man scene oh, where they're yeah. talking about how, um, Magic sh- mushrooms, what is it, psilocybin? Yeah, yeah, the active um, ingredient. <laughs> may have um, informed, like, how the human brain developed. Yeah. Um, which is an interesting theory, um, but, like, the CGI <laughs> of, like, early man, like, eating these shrooms, like, finding these shrooms yeah. and then eating them and being like, what? <laughs> like, getting all high. Um is it immediately made the documentary look so dumb to me. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, we can't really capture on a podcast, but here, here's a, here's a little audio clip. And when you hear the munching of the mushroom sound, just picture like, I don't know, a 1997 video game <laughs> where like James Bond is like munching a mushroom and staring at nothing. Uh, here is a clip from Fantastic Fungi. It's entirely plausible, given that the indigenous people all around the world know intimately all the plant life and will know the different combinations of plant life, that our prehistoric ancestors, they had come across the plants that do alter consciousness. In about two million years, the human cortex tripled in size and the brain exploded over a ridiculously short span of evolutionary time. Two million years is nothing when it comes to evolution. What triggered that? In the late 1970s, Terence McKenna and his brother Dennis McKenna were the first that proposed the stoned ape hypothesis. It is known now that 22 primates, 23, including us, consume mushrooms. And the idea is our ancestors, they came out of the trees and went across the savanna, would be tracking animals that were pooping. Well, in the subtropics, the most common mushroom coming out of those cow patties is Lassipi commensis, a potent magic mushroom. One thing that mushrooms and other psychedelics do reliably is they induce a synesthesia. Synesthesia is the perception of one sensory modality in another. Hearing colors, for example, or seeing music. Hey, 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's home equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. So, uh, quick little googs on Louis Schwartzberg, uh, the award-winning cinematographer, director, and producer who made Fantastic Fungi. Uh, he also made... Uh, do you go to Disneyland? I feel like you're a Disney person. Yeah. Have you been <laughs> I did a podcast to... this morning and I, <laughs> and, I t- and I said I was a Disney adult and they were like, this, the other guy was like, oh my God, Disney adults creep me out. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that. well, we all yeah. have trauma, so <laughs> we, we might act kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, have you we been like, to a ride? We like Mickey. <laughs> have you been to a ride called Soaring Around the World? Yes. That beautiful was ride. made by Louis Schwartzberg. Oh my gosh, it's such a beautiful ride. Now explain it to me because I have not done it. I was just trying to understand. Like you're you're are you kind of just like floating like you're in a hang glider? You're in a swing mm-hmm. kind of thing, like a row of swings. And it lifts you up to a big like um dome like screen. So you go up pretty high mm-hmm. and the seats move. Um, with the screen mm-hmm. and, um, that's kind of all I can dis. Yeah. It is kind of like the experiences, like being in a hand glider gliding over, yeah. um, all these different scenes like Egypt and San Francisco and Taj Mahal. And at the end you arrive back at Disneyland, but it's really beautiful. The score is really beautiful. Yeah. And it's so like a really relaxing ride. I feel like this is like the what we're we were missing is a complete immersive projection world. I, I would love an IMAX version of Fantastic Fungi instead of like my little Netflix tiny screen. Like an immersive, like we're on the closest thing I've been to that is Universal Studios, because I haven't been to Disneyland in a long time, but um, they have a Simpsons ride, and you're kind of like the screen's kind of projected in this mass bubble. But if you look left or right, you'll see like four other like little carriages of cars that are also being mm-hmm. all swung around. Um, not the best ride, uh, but I yeah. actually really struggle with a lot of virtual rides. They make me really sick. Yeah, it can be pretty, I mean, they're just trying to like maximize like the motion, I I guess. Like they're just trying to do something. I do like Oculus Rift. Have you fucked around with that at all? Mm -mm. Do you know, you know about that? That's like the the headset VR thing you can do. 
which is I've like go- I've gone to um, one called Dreamscape. Mm-hmm. I think it might be a different thing than what you're talking about, but it is a goggle virtual reality kind of event. Oh, cool. Um, it's okay. I feel like it's not there yet. You know, it's much like the CGI in this film. Uh, dinosaurs decaying. Um, the the kaleidoscopic mushroom effects are cool. Um, yeah, so th- that's a filmmaker who did all this stuff. He's just like all the time lapse stuff. We were talking about how it's really sexual or gross, like a rat decaying. But it's not even that gross for a rat decaying. I was like, oh, that's kind of a chill rat decay. It's like the famous yeah. fox decaying video. Um, so yeah, I, I think of this as like in that entertain entertainment nature world, the way a Disney ride would be. That's kind of what fantastic fun guy feels like it's there's science in here, but a lot of the science is kind of speculative science, right? It's sort of like, oh yeah, the stone to ape theory, which we referenced Terrence McKenna, like the idea that like we, that my, you know, psilocybin, Jump started the brain's evolution. Uh, you right. know, I'm not going to roll it out. It seems it does seem like it's possible, but um, I mean, so you and I both have never done shrooms. I have not, and it is one. It is on my list of like a drug that I'm willing to do. Like I don't yeah. do drugs really at all, but yeah. I'm like, look, look. There, there's a drug. There's LSD that was it was made by the CIA to be kind of a weapon. And then there's this thing that's natural that ha- people have been taking for millennia. So I'm more in that camp. I definitely am yeah. pro. I would say my stance on drugs is weird. Like I'm like, they're not for me, but I am definitely for decriminalizing them. Uh, that's well, kind of my stance. Yeah. What's interesting is like, I've done like a lot of different kinds of drugs, but like never any psychedelics mm. or mushrooms. Um, and that's a bummer for me because now I'm sober and I'm like, okay, I'm like an addict or alcoholic or whatever. I know that I have like addiction problems. And then I did see this documentary and I was like, oh, like, you know, people are having all these like positive reactions with shrooms. But then like when you go to meetings, like people will share like, oh, I like relapsed on shrooms. And then I was doing crack with like in a day. Oh, kind of thing. So it's just like, it's just like, you know, for, I don't know, it's, it's hard to say like what would happen and it's like maybe not worth like risking it. I don't know, but it's just like, what's going to trigger that? Like now I am doing drugs and alcohol. Like now Mm -hmm. I'm not sober. Like now I'm gone. Right. And, but I think it, it seems like such a cool experience. And I went on a trip a few weeks ago where a bunch of my friends were like doing shrooms and they're all like completely, not completely, but they're all normal people, not alcoholic or anything like that. Um, and I was like, Oh, maybe that would be like a safe environment to try a little bit. And I was like, let me like talk about it with some people and like think about it. Mm -hmm. And then like, I had that thought and then like that night, like I had a relapse dream where I was just like drinking Uh, and really drunk and, um, and I was like, oh, like maybe this is like tripping my, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, but I would like to at some point maybe do like some sort of guided thing. I don't know. I I was going to say like this film is maybe not the 
best for thinking about it in terms of sobriety because like they this is the most positive overdose story that I've ever seen about an overdose, which is Paul Stamets, the Willy Wonka of mushrooms. He's like, I took ten times as much as I should have and I had no guide. And he somehow manages to uh completely stop stuttering. Yeah, stop stuttering. <laughs> Be able to look a woman in the eyes, uh, have a weird tree hug. Uh, so he <laughs> he he makes it seem like that's because uh, my question was going to be: Do people overdose on mushrooms? And this is like a positive story to the point where like Netflix throws a little disclaimer in front of this film: like, um, talk to your doctor before you eat a bag of mushrooms and go into a thunderstorm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> maybe there's better ways to treat your speech pathology. Well, yeah, my question watching that and like, you know, the bad CGI of the <laughs> the ape, the early man, mm-hmm. like did make me feel kind of like mm, this is just stoners at this point, just talking about apes doing drugs. Mm-hmm. And um, it did. I'm like, at what point is it like... Um, a revelatory spiritual experience. And then at what point is it just people being high? <laughs> right. Like, like this idea that like, and a caveman or a per early proto human got high and then built a better weapon. I'm like, that's not the message that I think we want to relay from this. Um, like it, it, I like the idea of like, I'm, I'm into the idea of synesthesia. And so like something that would give you synesthesia, like, I think for maybe someone like you or I who are like sober, like the idea, like the closest thing would be, have you heard about flavor parties? No. Like there are these, there's these pills you can buy. (laughs) It's already starting. There's some pills (laughs) you can buy. You you take a pill and it changes your taste receptors. So you would like Mm. eat something bitter and it would be sweet or something that, you know, something salty becomes like... Maybe everything becomes sweet. I don't know. I mean, that's actually what I would probably do. Like, let me eat everything sweet. Just turn everything sweet. Uh, but it's just like changes your flavor perceptions. I'm like, that's kind of like as that's kind of like a, a nerdier way of doing this. That's definitely not synesthesia because you're just dealing with altering one perception a little bit. Um, there are some ideas that I'm like, I feel like, is this the Joe Rogan podcast? What is happening? Like, I'm like, I would totally do this. I would totally shroom out. In the right context. I would too. Yeah. I would have to, I would have to like take a lot of, um, precautions for yeah. my sobriety and it, it would suck because, you know, I'm like seven years sober. Mm-hmm. And then if you do any drugs, you have to be like, I'm not seven years sober. Like right. I'm now There's newly no sober, I guess, technically. Yeah. Yeah. But I do think, you know, in the end they were talking about like, ways that it could possibly help with Alzheimer's and stuff like that. Like hospice and it's care, like, yeah, stuff like that. And it's like, is there ways to take it that don't get you high at all? Like the mm-hmm. dose is like small enough that it's just like just a medication. And I think that would be cool. Um, yeah, I, I'm like interested. Like for one thing, there is like this sort of fear mongering that happened, I think in the 70s where like they stopped doing in the US any kind of, psychological psychiatric research with mushrooms and i think like that was a mistake uh i think we definitely should have continued that because it was based in sort of just general you know nixonian anti-drug uh hyperbole but um i i I mean i think it should be up to everyone (laughs) like they want to do these things uh i was around a bunch of people that were microdosing 
Uh, and I was like, had the opportunity to do it, but I'm just like, I'm, I also like want to be kind of, I needed a little bit more control and environment to be able to try something that would, you know, I've, cause I have no idea. I've never done much of anything. So I'm like, I have no idea what it would actually do to me. Uh, the idea of like people that are like, you know, terminal cancer patients using it. I'm kind of like, yeah, like do whatever <laughs> at that point, that's when, you know, opiates come out and everything too. So it's it, you, what you don't want to do. I'm, I'm scared of man, This is like turning into like my fierce George is fierce. Uh, have you heard like, <laughs> I don't know how, how, um, you know, ecstasy was supposed to like tap this thing that you, your brain uses when you're about to die. Have you heard this? Yeah. You heard of this, you heard of this about to die. Drug. <laughs> Anybody? <laughs> but like the the idea that like, oh, I partied too much and I used up all of that in my 20s and then I'm like 70 on my deathbed. I have no buffer for like the cold hand of death. I'm like, mm, yeah, not for me. Not for me. I'm going to save up all of that drug for when I need it for for going for going to the other side. Um, <laughs> the- I don't think you're I don't think you're in danger of having over partied right now. Oh, I'm I'm not. I'm definitely not. I mean, if anything, uh, well, I have, I've had kidney stones, so, you know, that's how I party a little too much soda. Do you think soda. that, like, if, are you worried that, do you have any, like, fears about addiction for yourself? I do think I have an obsessive personality. And, like, yeah, I haven't really talked too much. Yeah, I think some of it is maybe I do have a fear that, like, my kind of obsessive personality could turn into some kind of addiction. I feel like... The closest I am, like, I am very close to becoming a gambling addict. Like, I just have, I have money in the stock market. Like, I'm like, you watch that shit go up and down and I'm just like, come on, daddy needs a new car. You know, like I could just, we almost went to Vegas the other day or not Vegas, uh, just some random, uh, casino. (laughs) They're all equivalent to Vegas to me. (laughs) Just the idea of like, of like going somewhere where no one can track what happened. Time no longer exists. Um, I, I do yeah, think like, it's I could interesting be an the effect of gambling yeah. on time. Yeah, well, and like how they want you, yeah. and yeah, they want you to like lose track of time. So maybe that's like part of the addiction to gambling is that you're, you're out of time. You you want to escape from time. Also, they talked about time, that in this a little bit too. Right? Time is oppressive. Yeah, can they talk about? Yeah, that? Yeah, I think that um, one thing that I want for myself. Um, in a spiritual experience, which doesn't have to be taking these mushrooms, but, um, but being connected to these mushrooms, maybe eating normal edible mushrooms, fucking portobello, I don't care, mm. um, is like the, the coolest thing to me about this documentary is the way, um, it, like the network communicates. Oh yeah. That is the way, really cool. Yeah. Um, what did they call it? The mic. Mycelium, the mycelium, the my, my, mycelium <laughs> network. The, yeah. So that, yeah, yeah, like there's just like that trees you know, talk like, to each other. That yeah, blew my like mind. through the fungus, like yeah. sending signals, like learning, sharing nutrients. Yeah, you know, um, and just like that kind of, um, thought of like when I die, I could become like part of that, Mm -hmm. like, like I could decay and like become part of that, like, 
the tree network. Um, now I'm entering stoner talk, but yeah, I could, you know, be car- part of the, the, the nature connection of this earth, you know, like, um, and my biggest goal for myself is to become cool with death by the time I die. It's that's, yeah, that's a big one. That's like a hard one. That's yeah. I, I mostly run around in denial. Like most of us, like, you know, like there's going to be enough, I'm going to do enough stuff that there'll be pieces of me left. I'm like, well, it's going to be a storage unit that someone's going to have to go through. That's basically what's going to be left. A bunch of CDs that no one wants. Um, yeah, I, I, the mortality part of this was like, hitting me a little bit of like, yeah, it'd be cool to just have this like sense of a hive mind or whatever that they talk about in here. Um, still, still a little too in my own ego to, you know, fully let go of that thing. Um, it is interesting that we're like two sober people that are like really in, like you were affected by this in a way. Yeah. Sober for different reasons. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Coming at it from slightly different angles. Um, but th- yeah, it would be cool if we could like bring up a good shroom story or something. I could bring up stories of doing other drugs <laughs> and I have, you know, I do think that even just drinking alcohol, did at some point give me some spiritual perspective or Mm. allow me to separate myself from my ego in certain ways. Mm -hmm. And, you know, all these addictions, like you gambling and wanting to escape time, Mm -hmm. or it's like me drinking and wanting to escape, like my incessant thoughts or whatever, Mm -hmm. my fears, Mm -hmm. um, the instincts behind addiction, are all kind of sometimes good and real. Mm-hmm. It's just they're just taken to such an extreme that it becomes counterproductive. I did have a thought about another reason why I'm a little bit afraid to do shrooms, which is the notion of a bad trip, right? So I already feel like what my default setting in my in my brain in my life like is to just seek out the problems uh, to basically identify the things that are not working, right? And I I don't know that, like, expanding my consciousness is going to dampen that or amplify it, right? Like, maybe I'll be like, oh, you know, just realize on a deeper cosmic level, like, things that are wrong that I also, uh, you know, and feel them more than I currently feel them because I feel like right now I'm like I exist to like not feel the things that are wrong even though I'm identifying them I feel like yeah like part part of like I think what comedy is and part of what I and like my job and like a lot of other things it's just sort of like you know catching the mistakes and then commenting on them (laughs) that is kind of like yeah. weirdly a deep like I don't know if you feel that way about comedy this may be like because I watched a TED talk that made me think this like way too long ago um, this is this is all just also feels like a very good TED talk this film <laughs> is like a very with better well you know, it even had CGI. pieces of him doing a yeah. TED talk in it yeah that's, that's how right. they ended it yeah it was it was a bit of a long TED talk but <laughs> with some really cool time lapses some cool hats um I think that if you, I don't know, I think, I think that more than likely, especially if you did like a guided thing, mm-hmm. it would kind of 
be positive. I don't, I don't think it would be you in your thoughts. Like, I think that's the point is that you get out of your thoughts and just like experience. Um, and like, if it was guided, if you started worrying, mm-hmm. someone would be like, don't worry, you're safe, you know, like, and that it might be good for you in general to kind of practice, you know, like feeling safe and not finding faults and like meditating around that kind of thing. Yeah. I'm, I've just had like a moment where I was like feeling like this pretty intense anxiety and like, I just like needed a tool to work with. And it's just like, uh, it was recommended to just do the breathing exercise and that kind of works pretty well for me because it's like, Oh, this does get me out of my head for like a moment. I'm like, I'm, I'm able to kind of like get out of my head and just exist as like a sack of meat, you know? Yeah. And it's also like when you're nervous, like your blood constricts and your lungs tighten. Mm -hmm. And if you take like just even like 10 breaths, I think it like switches you out of that. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. This conscious breathing attempts. Yeah. I I, I also, because like the idea of a guide, like also involves like, you know, you got to trust the guide. I'm realizing in this podcast episode that I have a lot of major issues. Um, I a have lot of major issues. <laughs> yeah. I, I have done, uh, have you ever done a sensory deprivation tank? I have not. So I can recommend, uh, this place called just float. I think it's in Pasadena and I, uh-huh. I tried that and that was kind of my thought was like, if I'm going to do mushrooms, maybe I want to do like the no senses experience like mm-hmm. go deep into this just came up in another episode. We were talking about, um, uh, a glitch in the matrix, like the sensory deprivation tanks. Uh, I like the idea of like, maybe instead of going up in a tree, maybe I want to do it like in just like a, no- a nothingness and just get used to a nothingness. Um, but yeah, I recommend that experience. That's like a cool thing you can do. That's sober. of <laughs> just yeah. like, you know, just like, be in your senses to the point where like you can hear your own eyelids flutter, you know, it's pretty intense. Yeah. Um, that's really cool. <laughs> Dude, this stuff, oh well, man, you know, what's cool is trees can talk to their children. <laughs> <laughs> I do think that we're like overly, I do feel like very oversensitized. Mm-hmm. Like I feel, what's the word for that? Yeah. Overstimulated. Uh, overstimulated. I'm, Desensitized. I'm overstimulated mm-hmm. all the time. I mean, we've got Marvel movies. We've got fucking food that tastes like fucking like an explosion. Mm-hmm. And like everything is just like so much, so much noise. So it's like mm-hmm. I've gotten to a point where I'm like, cool it. <laughs> and yeah, like, cause we're, we're really living. It's like, we want yeah. it more. We always want more. Yeah. We want to taste more, hear more, see more. And novelty. Novelty is important. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, um, and I think it might be because we're living in kind of hard times that we want like extreme distraction. Um, but I, as I'm getting older, I'm like, I gotta chill out. Like I, I need everything to stop for a minute like I can't watch another show (laughs) yeah I'm definitely like in a consumption mode a lot of the time I was gonna say the irony is that we're both 
producing content. I, I mean, know. at different rates, I think. Like, I haven't really uh, produced I, much lately. I haven't lately. been doing much at all. Yeah. I haven't been, like, posting on Instagram or anything. Like, I've been really enjoying being kind of private, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. a little. And it's kind of nice. Yeah. Um, like, if you don't have the have the hustle, like, thing happening, you know, or, or, or FOMO, which is, like, a hard thing to also battle in this time is like everyone seeming to have a better time than you are during a pandemic. Well, looking at Instagram is what really gives me that. Mm-hmm. Yes, I've heard this a lot. And I, I feel like posting on it is just so that I can give other people that feeling <laughs> or let other, like, uh, let other people know that I'm not missing out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, the check-in to be like, compare yourself to this. Uh, while I compare myself to this, yeah. It's, There's just so much expectation to share so much. It's so weird. Yeah. I, I mean, this is, this is the hard part of... I actually, I weirdly, like, I've, I've, I've had all these different roles in my life where it's like, I kind of, like, like promoting other people's things much more than I like promoting my own things, um, which is... I hate promoting my own stuff. Yeah, like, it's like, I somehow am pretty good at promoting other people's things. And then, like, I just have certain barriers with doing it for myself. So I have now five patents on entomopathogenic fungi. These are fungi that infect insects and, in particular, termites. The biggest problem in the commercialization of biopesticides from fungi has been the spore repellency property. The insects avoid the spores of these fungi. In fact, so concerned are termites that if a worker goes out and encounters this fungus, when the worker returns back to the nest, guards, and they'll capture that worker that's infected with these spores, take the worker to a graveyard, and they cut off the worker's head, and then the two guards commit suicide. They try to protect the queen and the nest and the colony from infection. And I discovered something that no one else had ever reported in the scientific literature. I found a biological switch that delayed sporulation, and then the insects were not repelled, but they were super attracted, which means one finds the fungus now and others follow. It ends up being a Trojan horse. The same fungi now are taken past the guards, given to the queen, the queen feeds it to the brood, the whole colony becomes mummified with this mycelium and whoosh, the whole colony is infected and dies. I've got <laughs> um, toenail fungus, by the way. I've had it for years and I cannot get it to go away. I had a, <laughs> I'm going to say like, I had like this weird neck, like, like a weird neck stain and I went to a doctor, a dermatologist. They're just like, just put this antifungal thing on there. I'm like, does that mean it's a fungus? He's like, well, if the antifungal thing gets rid of it, then it was. But I wasn't. Did it get rid of it? I think event. I I I can't remember because I don't have any more, so it must have just gone away. But I was like describing it the other day, and he's like, what? like you had like mushrooms growing out of your neck. I'm like, yeah, that would have been like a good Frankenstein look, just like two two cat mushrooms coming out of the sides. Um, um, I love eating mushrooms too. So I didn't think there was as much eating mushrooms in here as I would have liked. I was thinking like, this would be like, I want to like, uh, uh, you know, garlic is as good as 10 mothers about mushrooms. Uh, this was not really it. Uh, they did talk about some poisonous stuff. It's more just like, yo, this is some trippy, uh, trippy life form that exists on our planet. 
And I I'm know. Like, yeah, and it's I like, like so powerful. Yeah. I like eating mushrooms too, especially as a vegetarian, because mm-hmm. it's like mushrooms can be like a meat. Like you can umami, eat a giant yeah. mushroom on your plate and it feels like you're eating meat. And I follow this girl on TikTok. Um, <laughs> and I forget there was a um, New York Times article about her recently and people call her the black forager or black Ooh. forager or something or black foraging. I don't remember. She's um, and she's always like running off into Central Park or these places and like finding mushrooms and cooking them and eating them like. <laughs> And some guy got mad at her, or not mad at her, but he commented like, um, yeah. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. But not everyone can eat this way. And I hope people know that's because like then our forests would get ravaged or whatever. And then she made a video that was like, actually, this is like, how indigenous people ate and like the way that we think of conservation now is like we we just have to leave it alone and be completely separate like mm-hmm. is incorrect mm-hmm. like we're like animals here too and um i don't think she said that but like that's me saying like we're animals here we too we are i forget I forget um, that we're animals yeah so we could go run around and eat stuff and it's just like I don't know. I'm like, is that actually a more correct way to eat? To like not be so agricultural and just like go find shit in the wild and eat that? I mean, like it sounds like this other person just is really into private property. Maybe it's it's part of it. Like like these are the rules based eating. Like you know, like oh, don't go foraging because it's like you know, it's gonna just. It's going to destroy the commons or something. I, I mean, I think like, yeah, I think like diversity. I think definitely we know that factory farming is bad. We've learned this over time. I'm sure there's more documentaries that we haven't t- touched on the factory farming stuff. But yeah, I, I like the idea of foraging. I like that there's like these like fruit maps you can get in L.A. And they just like people always have like these fruit trees that are just have way more fruit than people can handle. I mean, like, you know, just get like a, a bundle of figs from a neighbor, you know. There's like the yeah. fruit map system. That's cool. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm into like finding out more about food. This is like, who, there was someone in here, uh, a science person who said like, f- f- uh, f- the, what was the name of a mycof- mycophiles? People that yeah. love mushrooms. Like they're like hedonists. They're like sensual people. She's like, these are my kind of people, you know, like I do, I do like that sort of idea or like, but they're also like sensual in a way where it's like, I don't want to have sex with you. Well, there was that weird thing where they said like, okay, like British culture was mycophobic, like, like the, the, the British feared mold. And then like, I think, was it the Mayans that were mycophilic? And I thought that was an interesting little little cultural breakdown does like I'm like yeah and there was like an image of like a little demon among <laughs> some mushrooms being like all evil i forget how much like weird puritanical british stuff has seeped into our country it's really all well, goes I mean, back yeah. there yeah 
And growing up, I remember the one thing that I heard about mushrooms is like, don't eat any, they'll kill you, which is like, that's legit. Like most of them just growing on a lawn in LA probably will. Yeah. Like (laughs) the dog shit, um, the dog shit mushrooms, but like, but my dog eats it just food for dogs. It's all healthy. (laughs) It's all processed, unprocessed. Um, yeah, I, I think like, yeah. The, Do you have a dog? No, I'm just saying like oh. that's a, the person that like, there's a lot of dog shit in my neighborhood. Of course, Same everyone here. has a dog. Wait, what LA. neighborhood are you in? I'm in Los Feliz. I moved oh. though. We moved a little bit over. We're in oh. the, the, we're actually in a quieter part of Los Feliz now, which I like. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's chill. Um, so shroomies, I think we've decided We'd both be willing to do them under the right circumstances and still be sober. Or I'm in my case, maybe like I'm going to save it for uh, terminal disease that I inevitably am going to get. I like that lady that was like, we all need to eat these because we have to evolve right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I do think that about people. I'm like, we have to get to our next stage of whatever we're doing. Or this is it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If, if this, if truly language was created because of mushrooms, then we need, yeah, to get to the next level beyond that. I mean, whatever tools are available. (laughs) We need the next jump start. (laughs) But I also like, I, I feel like, is there a lot of shame around, about, around this stuff or is there I mean, there's, I feel like there's shame around certain drugs. I don't feel like there's a ton of shame around mushrooms, particularly because they're sort of like, you know, they're like, they're, they're not like the typical kind of escapism. It's like sort of for this like spiritual escapism. That's a little bit different. I don't know. I'm sure you could overdo it, (laughs) you know, and just be like a shroom head. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know them. I don't know enough about them to know at what point. Cause it's like, it seems like you could take it mm-hmm. a couple times and have these spiritual experiences. But then it's like, how many more times would you need to take a big enough dose to yeah. hallucinate that you would you just keep having more spiritual experiences or would it just be like, I'm on drugs? Yeah. I, I mean, I've, I've definitely, now I'm just on drugs. Yeah. I've met acid casualties. I don't know that I've met shroom casualties. So I know one, I've had, you know, uh, what's the right word? Uh, empirical interactions with some of this stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's weirdly feels also like I'm like, did Paul Stamets like pay for this movie to be made? It definitely promotes his business a lot. Uh, his Willy Wonkiness. Yeah, and he's done a lot. Obviously, like he seems like one of the biggest advocates for this kind of research right now, but. Mm. I really wish he wasn't the main guy in this documentary. It's, yeah, it feels a bit much. I mean, he, he, he I, not that he's not a compelling person, but it definitely, like, it starts to feel a little bit too much. Like, when I've seen, like, certain, like, UFO documentaries, I'm like, the the guy who's, yeah. is like, yeah, this guy is clearly promoting his own thing. Um, right. But, like, you know, it, it was entertaining. It, it was trippy. It had... CGI that was also weirdly entertaining in a maybe unintentional way. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, Jessica, we like to play a game on this show called Cast This Doc. Gotta cast this doc. Gotta cast this doc. That's where we think of who we would cast if we we're going to make a fictionalized version of 
the documentary we just watched. Uh, who did you have picked for cast this doc? Um, so when you sent me that, I just like Googled <laughs> old white actors with beards. <laughs> yeah. And I found a picture of Robert De Niro with a white beard. And I was like, it would be so funny if Robert De Niro <laughs> played this like mushroom head. Mm-hmm. I can see that. <laughs> so I picked mushroom. Not that it's he's anything like him, mm-hmm. but I thought it would be funny to go in a different direction. Who did you pick? Uh, I I also like my I kind of maybe because you said De Niro. My other thought was Robin Williams, like Awakenings yeah. or whatever. But then I actually was like, okay, so I mean, you can play with dead people in this game. But I was like, oh, Mandy Patinkin maybe is a little closer. Like, I feel like Mandy Patinkin in his gray beard period could be a really good Paul Stamets. Oh, totally. Yeah. What was he in in his older years? I feel like he did some, like, TV show recently. But he's like he's like a, you know, he's just turned into, like, the bearded character actor guy. Um, I also I had a pick for... I just think of him as Inigo Montoya. I know. That's, like, the number... That is, like, the main... The main image, like that that hair, that mustache. Um, but no, he was like on like some like TV shows or something. Um, I, I had a pick from Michael Pollan, which is like I was thinking at first I was like thinking Stanley Tucci, who's younger than him. But then I kind of thought it would be funny like watching him. I'm like, oh, Bob Balaban would be a really funny Michael Pollan. Uh, I don't. I don't think they're that alike, but I just think it'd be a, like a funny casting to have Bob Balaban. As I Michael thought it Holland. was funny how he was like uh, Paul. What's his name? Stamets. 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 Yeah. Um, Game of Thrones. Stannis. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> the milk um, of the puppy. <laughs> <laughs> like, like when he was like. Yeah, he's proof that amateurs can do a lot. Yeah, that was that was. <laughs> I actually do think that he's like he did compare him to Darwin. I mean, like there is. This then weird I, yeah, old it's like is Darwin an amateur? Apparently, who's yeah. who's not an amateur then? <laughs> I mean, Darwin's an amateur. Amateurs do lots of stuff. I feel like a lot of stars are discovered by amateur astronomers. You know. Like I think am- yeah. there's a tradition of like amateur, like not being in the academy, I guess, which is weird. There's this whole thing about I actually did look it up. Like the Stamets clan is really interesting. Like his brother was like this architecture professor. Uh, his other brother works as a film critic for the Chicago Sun-Times, like where Roger Ebert used to work. So it's kind of like interesting. Like there's this whole family. And then he's got like he's got kids, you know, he's probably got the second generation mushroom family growing so, yeah, uh, I don't mean they're made of mushrooms. These people are not made of mushrooms. That's don't, but don't they quote for me sure have little that. mushroom hats. For sure. There is like, f- like, like spores inside of them the way they are with all of us. Um, yeah, I love, uh, Paul's little like Pinocchio hat. I don't know what you call that hat. It's a funny hat. Um, <laughs> um, Jessica, uh, we also play a game called pitch a doc where it's just a way to kind of like, what are you interested in? What's something that's on your mind? Something you'd like to see a documentary about? Uh, what'd you think of for that? Um, I had a really tough time with this question because <laughs> I thought of something really good and then I forgot it. So I was just staring at this question forever because <laughs> it's like, I feel like all the time I'm like, oh, did you know about this interesting thing? Isn't that crazy? Um but, you know, just like I was just like thinking about the people in this documentary mm-hmm. and I was like, there should just be like a documentary about 
like a docu-series about white people mm-hmm. and just like how white people became white people. And yeah. like, like when did we start being like, we're white and like what makes us white and like... Um, that could go in a lot of different directions. And it's like, I hesitate to say that cause it's like mm-hmm. my first thought when picking about documentary is I was like, Oh, there's so much documentary about white shit. Like there does need to be like more, mm-hmm. you know, like it would be great if they had like a documentary about like what indigenous people knew about mushrooms. Right, I'm right, sure right. it's more than this documentary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I do like that idea of like, let's take the anthropological lens and turn it back in on itself in a way. It's just like, why don't we, yeah, like making whiteness the other in this scenario, just like totally. flipping the script. And I and think I- there is a totally a construction of whiteness that is like a lot based on what like uh, you go back to like eugenics and phrenology and all this shit, but also like just how come this gets to be the default for everything? And then like what, who gets to be included in that? And I, you know, there are really interesting books about this topic as well. I think that like there, there could be definitely something like a PB in those people would argue like PBS already does all like white people documentaries, but there could be like a way to like, do that I want in like way, HBO yeah. or Netflix to do it, and I want it to. And not like in a way it's like not like I I think like people might hear this out of context, and <laughs> not like well, white I... like victimhood or anything, but like you know just no, like I would the construction want people of to click on it yeah. who think that's what it's about. Oh, and just like like get I, in that, I would yeah. want people to be like finally because I feel <laughs> like I me. do I do like see like so occasionally like. um Trump supporters Mm -hmm. or weird like white people defending colonialism Mm -hmm. on TikTok. Sometimes I don't watch a lot of TikTok. I know I've mentioned it twice, (laughs) but I've just popped on there a couple of times. Yeah. Um, but like it's white people like kind of like defending being white. And I'm just like, I don't think you know like who Mm -hmm. you are. And I've been like looking at myself and it's like, who are you? And I'm like, how much we would benefit as a society from white people knowing who they are. I feel like that's the thing of like why 23 and me is popular or like, you know, these kind of things where it's just like really getting to the, you know, I am part Sicilian and part Irish. Like, and it's like, I, I just know where my family's from. So I'm just like, (laughs) okay, I, I, there's no mystery for me. I don't have to do this, but I know for a lot of people there is, uh, it, it does feel like that sort of like, how can I be interesting? I want to be interesting. What does my heritage tell me? Like, it's like they've kind of been robbed of that as well in a weird way of like just by being lumped into the mashed potato-ness of whiteness. Um, oh, it's such a bummer. I mean, not to be like being white boo-hoo. is a bummer because yeah, it's I'm like, like <laughs> yeah. societally I'm in much a better right, position, right, right, right. Yeah. you know, being white. But like I do think that like white people have been cut off from their past and their history and knowledge and culture and traditions in Mm -hmm. this way where it's like, I think that's part of the problem. Like that's Mm -hmm. part of why we're insane Mm -hmm. because we don't have any guidance. Like we don't, you know, like we don't have any sense of where we are on the earth. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And And you're like, and, and it's like being centered in the culture you're in is uh, that's gotta be weird to be like, and also like this weird thing of like, 
you know, why are they so unhappy <laughs> at the same time? Like, you yeah. know, it's true. I mean, you don't, yeah. I really think that like, if you're a fulfilled, like spiritual, happy person, you're not going to go mm-hmm. and like be fucking insanely racist. Like, I think that like racism comes from like weird repressed shame Mm -hmm. and all sorts of other mental problems. (laughs) I I think, I think we've got a solution. We're going to give some turkey tail mushrooms. We're going to like, Oh my God. Put them in the water supply of like the militias in Montana. And they're going to be like, you know what? We're all, I I thought about, I thought about like dropping some on the Taliban. Um, but yeah. Oh my God. The Taliban (laughs) on the, on a mushroom trip. Yeah. Oh my God. That would, that's literally all we need to do. I mean, I think this movie would say that. That's what we need to do. I wonder if like this movie is a, is going to be considered. A, a, I wonder if they can start showing this to kids in schools at some point. I'm like, when is that going to happen? Um, probably, you know, it's a nature documentary. Can we? Oh, we didn't even touch on the thing. I was really interested in the thing where they had the the oyster mushrooms growing on like the oil spill or the or yeah. like uh, that that stuff. I'm like, okay, that more of that. I thought it was going to be. Fifty percent more of that stuff, unless well, I went in a tree and there was a lightning storm. I know. Uh, I wanted more of that stuff. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you because it's just like you know, in the end, they were like, oh, when like the fires are burning and the oceans are dead, there will be like fungal um, mushroom men. There will be like fungus, like (laughs) learning and doing its thing and stuff, and. Just like I, like in in Mario. What <laughs> the mushrooms? They run around in Mario. <laughs> Mario Brothers. Okay. Toad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, little, little mushroom guy. Yeah, we just need to save all the toads. Yeah, um, those are cute. Toad, toad, mushrooms are cute. Little dancing guys. I'm into oh, it. Yeah. Um, well, Jessica, I think we've. Uh, broken the mold, as they say. Uh-huh. Wait, how crazy was that about how they like the guy had they used to put like moldy bread on people's wounds? Yeah, that was a trip too. I actually, yeah, like that. That was the penicillin. That was the beginning of penicillin. It was just moldy Dude, bread. Dude, penicillin on the wound. is the most like important discovery. Apparently, yeah. Apparently, I, I, I. I mean, that's what sets us apart from like Black Plague era to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, now we got Moderna and stuff too, but. I know, but like it, imagine moldy bread could cure COVID. I think we'd, we'd be in a good, we'd be better off. Uh, I mean, no one's tried it. The, mm, I th- <laughs> think we're going to go to Tartine, get in the dumpster and get some, Ooh. slap, slap some, slap some leg wounds with some You know there's a croutons. Tartine here. I know there's a Tartine here. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, uh. I, I, I'm down to also, I'm going to advocate the mushroom pizza, triple beam. I know you're, you said you're not doing the carbs right now, but, um, if you do right the now, carbs, but I will soon triple beam, very good. I pizza. started boxing. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm, that's good. I, I, I wish I could do some kind of exercise at all. Um, no, that's me. I can't do any exercise at all, but now I am. Are you Going on a person or a bag or what? 
um, on a bag. Yeah. <laughs> what if it was just like, I'm just beating up my boyfriend? <laughs> yeah. That was, like, that I started exercising. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I've been going to a boxing gym and it's been like, you really should exercise. Uh, We're yeah. really supposed to. I know. I know you're supposed to. I, but it doesn't, it feels fun like in a class. Like it doesn't feel like crappy. Yeah. I think like some, some element of interaction would be good. Cause like I do walks, but then it's just like, again, me back in my own head most of the time or me in a podcast or something. So I mean, walks are good. Yeah. But you need, you need like the heart rate cardio. I know. I need to, I need to just get a scary movie. To give me a card. No, I don't, that doesn't do it for me. Um, well, we're going to have to talk more about our exercise routines uh, <laughs> on the Patreon. Um, but uh, Jessica, thank you for coming on SupDoc to talk about Fantastic Fungi. And you're a fantastic, fun person as well. Thank you so much, George. From my fungus to yours. My mycelium network to yours. We'll, we're, we're sharing nutrients across the internet. Uh, thanks. I've probably shared spores <laughs> with multiple listeners right now. I think, I think so. I think like, check your, check your AirPods guys. There might be a little, a little shroom guy coming out of there. Uh, a little sporgasm yeah. for you. <laughs> you said it, not me this time. All right. <laughs> thanks guys. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about Subduck at subduckpodcast.com, recapping reality since 2015. Our theme song was written by David Siegel, and our show was engineered by Will Scoville. Our associate producer is Nick Coltis. Please donate to the show through our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Podcast. If you want to help us in other ways, please share the show with a friend. Join the Doc Talk and check out our hot takes, pictures, and videos on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. We're SubDoc Podcast on all of those platforms. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can find Paco and George's comedy gigs when those are happening again on the About Us page on the site. And SubDoc is by Doc fans for Doc fans. So if you want to advertise, got a film or opinions you want to share, just hit us up. We'd love to hear from you and what you're docking out on. Email us at subduckpodcast at gmail.com. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.